Hello, and welcome to Surviving HG, the Truth About Plant Medicine podcast. I'm your Canadian host, Tori Moline, and I can't wait to share with you all the brave, untold stories of women who faced hyperemesis gravidarum and courageously chose to use plant medicine. These stories carry with them raw experiences, brave vulnerability, and ultimately the intuitive powers HG moms have deep within inside of us. This podcast marries two untalked about subjects, HG and the generation of women who were silenced, and the natural yet stigmatized powers of the cannabis plant. HG is the picture-perfect illness candidate for cannabis, but because it involves pregnancy and growing a baby, doctors in the medical world are reluctant to try it and to recommend it. Decades worth of propaganda still contributes to many people, including these doctors, outlook on plant medicine. In some places like the UK or Texas, for example, HG moms who choose to use cannabis out of survival to save them and their baby are persecuted. In other places, HG moms are given a hard time by social workers, family members, partners, hospital staff, and their OB and midwife. HG moms deserve justice after centuries of suffering. HG moms deserve to know about plant medicine as an option during HG pregnancies. HG moms deserve to know there are other women fighting just like them and making the brave decision to go against the social norms and choose plant medicine. HG moms need education, resources, and community after centuries of being deprived from it. These stories you are about to hear are from moms who bravely shared them in hopes of helping create change for future HG generations. These stories deserve to be heard. These stories deserve to be protected. And these stories deserve to be shared and listened to. These are the untold stories of HG plant medicine moms. Hello all and welcome to the podcast. I, before we get started, I want to read something to you all, something that really shocked me when I came across it. And it's a little piece of information that really motivated me to keep going and to keep talking about the potential that cannabis has to help hyperemesis gravidarum moms because these numbers are so huge. So I'm reading from the Her Foundation website right now, hyperemesis.org. Um, they have a little blurb here and I'm going to read it to you all. It says, impact on society. Hyperemesis gravidarum is more than a pregnancy illness that impacts patients and their families. HG impacts society. Conservative estimation, estimations suggest HG costs nearly $500 million annually just for inpatient hospitalization. There are also over 375,000 outpatient visits to emergency rooms for treatment of HG at an estimated cost of $2.5 billion. Throw in home health care, pharmaceuticals, outpatient infusion care, diagnostics, diagnostics, and frequent trips to the OB your OB. Considering so many HD patients are treated outside the hospital to save costs, the actual cost is many times greater. The cost for HG treatment exceeds $3 billion for HG every year in the USA. Let me pause here. So if this is US, USA stats, imagine throwing in together with that Canadian stats, Australian stats, uh, different countries in Europe stats the countries where HG seems to be more common. HG is easily costing worldwide multiple, multiple billion dollars a year. And so 
with the with this, many are still getting inadequate care. The long-term effects of HG and its complications add many thousands of dollars in costs over time. Now, why did I read you this excerpt from this website? Well, not only do these numbers just scream the fact that someone's making money, <laughs> um, the fact of the matter is, is that if we were to use cannabis for hyperemesis gravidarum, we would see these numbers decrease. Now, my mindset thinks, who wouldn't want those numbers to decrease? Well, the ones making the money, right? The ones producing the pharmaceuticals. Um, how come they're not out there educating others about HG? How come they're not saying, hey, this is a huge problem happening in maternal care, pregnancy care, but we're just going to keep producing this pill and we're not going to like speak about it and speak about how it's being used because as we all know, Zofran is first priority a chemotherapy drug, second priority an anti-nauseant after surgery, third priority, well, works for pregnant starving moms, so let's give it to them, right? And so it's just, it's it's a facade of not being truthful is what I feel about this. And so this brings me to my ultimate point of ultimate points if we were to treat HG using cannabis, we would see these numbers decrease. And in turn, our healthcare system would benefit because we are saving money. We are saving hospital staff. We are saving doctor office staff. All of those things that us taxpayers pay into could be going towards something else. Now, this is just talking financials, right? Let's also talk about the fact that cannabis improves the quality of life for so many moms. So not only are we saving money by, by getting HG moms to try cannabis to see if it works for them, but we are also saving moms and babies mental and physical health. What else could be better? Our next HG and cannabis story comes from Dice in Manitoba, Canada. Uh, Dice reached out to me on my social media when I started to tell my HG story and she said, hey, uh, this happened to me as well. And so as we began to talk, we began to talk about how our doctors did not tell us what was going on. We talked about how we struggled postpartum. We talked about how we ultimately were let down by our pregnancy care team and our the pregnancy care that we received. We talked about why women aren't more educated about hyperemesis gravidarum, why we are not more cared for and supported. Um, and so Dice wanted to share her story in hopes to change the future of HG pregnancy care as well. Um, she has learned so much now since um, having her first HG pregnancy and she just had her second pregnancy actually and just gave birth to a baby girl. But she was very fortunate to not have had HG that time. Um, so in this podcast episode, I'm talking to her while she's pregnant with uh, that baby. And so she's feeling a little bit better having her own struggles in that pregnancy as each pregnancy has its unique struggles. Um, but she got to experience what a pregnancy felt like after having an HG pregnancy. And so I think she learned a lot. She was very, she's very excited to be here, very excited to tell her story. So here we go. This is Dice's story. <laughs> I don't leave the house. I don't talk to people anymore. Oh my gosh. I can relate to that so much. Oh, that's so bad at it now. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do before you were pregnant again? What was like, uh, were you working or going to school? 
I was working. Um, I had done most of my life. I have worked retail. Um, working for my dad when I was like 14. Um, he has a hardware store. Oh, cool. So, yeah. And then, uh, when I moved to Edmonton, I was a manager at a boutique, uh, for I think three years. That's right. I remember you telling me that now. That's really cool. Um, so you, you moved to Edmonton. Give me that timeline again. When were you in Edmonton and then when did you move to Manitoba? Uh, I moved to Edmonton in 2016 and then I moved to Manitoba in 2020 midst pandemic in April. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I see. Wild. (laughs) That would have been a time to move. My goodness. (laughs) It's crazy because I took uh, I took a plane, okay. so I, um, people were wearing like full hazard suits and like it was crazy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no kidding. And then this guy was sitting beside me with his hazard or like his whole outfit and his gloves, and he was double masked. But then he took his mask off and he touched his face. Oh, and I was like, dude, that defeats the whole purpose a little of... bit yeah <laughs> it's like okay oh man some people yeah. people are just doing crazy things during that time oh my gosh so you yeah. moved, you moved to manitoba in 2020 there and then um 2021 is that the was that the year you got pregnant yes i got pregnant with phoenix um i think may 2021 Ah, okay. Yes. May 2021 happens. Um, Were you guys guys planning on having a baby or was it more of a surprise? Well, it's, we had just met that March. Oh, okay. So very, quite recent. Very new. Um, He told me he loved me after like three days. (laughs) I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Um, And then after two weeks, he asked me to move in. And um, I was like, oh, oh okay. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no, we need to know each other for three months. After three months, <laughs> I moved in. And then I moved in in June. And then three days after I moved in, I found out I was pregnant. But we both thought we couldn't have kids. Wow. So it was very much a surprise. Um, we had done shrooms a couple weeks before yeah yeah weeks before i moved in or the week before okay. and we'd have to cry about it you know we we're like oh we're not gonna have kids you know we'll just be the fun uncle and aunt i guess you know because we both knew we found our person right wow that's incredible actually and so it just so happens like whatever you yeah. guys were told by your doctors like you couldn't have kids but i guess it turned out not to be so true <laughs> Yeah, we were very compatible, apparently. So, I mean, hey, that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool situation. But, um, yeah, so it was kind of quite surprising, I guess, in a, in a, in a way. And then to, I guess, throw in the sickness that we'll kind of get into talking about. But wow, things were kind of like, bam, bam, bam for you, hey? Oh, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. All the way. (laughs) So you had to make some very quick adaptions, I can imagine, to like, how life was just... (laughs) <laughs> at the time too i was working two jobs <sighs> i was working construction full-time and part-time um retail at reitman's in steinbeck wow. so it was like i was busy 
I have for anything. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, okay. So you get pregnant. It's a little bit of a surprise, a little bit of a shock. Um, so as we all know, we're all here to talk about hyperemesis gravidarum. When did it kind of start to kick in for you? When did you know, like something wasn't right? Oh, sorry. I just got a hole there. Um, so I found out I was pregnant about when I was about four and a half weeks, five weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I was fine. I was completely fine till about. I want to say eight weeks. Oh. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was nauseous, but everybody's like, oh, you know, morning sickness, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Okay. So I was like, I'll tough it out till 12 weeks. And I had my first appointment and I was talking to my doctor about the severe nausea I was having. She's like, yeah, that's normal. She's like, just eat crackers before you get up in the morning. And I'm like, I can't. Like, mm-hmm. they won't stay down. I am laying in bed and puking. Right. And so that would have been, was that a general practitioner doc- doctor you would have seen at like the beginning? Yeah, that was my, my family doctor that I had. Oh, um, but what was, I what was, was your... oh, sorry, go ahead. I was switched around quite a bit right when I found out I was pregnant. My doctor went on maternity leave right then. Oh, doctor that knew me. And then the doctor they gave me during that period when I found out and had my first two appointments she was also pregnant, but she didn't know me. Oh, okay. So it was kind of a, yeah. And she just like prescribed me diclectin, which did nothing. Okay, right. So you were you were prescribed diclectin. Did, were you given anything else or was it just diclectin? At first it was just diclectin. And then um, by the time I had my 12-week checkup, I was like, I can't keep anything down. And they're like, oh, just keep taking it. And I started taking gravel and ginger gravel. Mm-hmm. And it still did nothing with the diclectin. And then at 14 weeks, um, it got even worse. At that point, I had quit my job, like my construction job, because I just yeah. couldn't put anything down. 14 weeks, I had made another appointment with my doctor. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And uh, she gave me a different medication that she prescribed me. I do not remember the name. Oh, that's okay. But just like another, probably another classic hyperemesis thing. Yeah, probably. But then she said to me, this is what we give chemo patients. Oh, okay. So maybe it was Zofran. Maybe. And I was like, uh, what? That's so concerning that she like said it like that. (laughs) She's like, yeah, this is what we give chemo patients. And I was like, I don't know if I want to take something that you're giving chemo patients right i can't oh, i can't believe a doctor was just so like uninformational about it and just that's yeah, so scary and to be in your position too oh so scary well, i didn't know what was going on either because i had never heard of hyperemesis right right what, what the fuck is going on with me yeah exactly um, you're you're um, puking nonstop. what do you do what do you do next like as things are starting to get like worse and the medication's not working yeah. And they were like, oh, at 12 weeks, it'll be done. And it just got worse, like significantly worse. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I didn't even go to the pharmacy. I was like, I, I, I need to think about this. Because right. I had completely quit smoking um, cannabis at that point because, well, stigma and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted what was best for my baby, but I had lost, I think, 12 to 15 pounds at this point 
And I was like, I, I, I need to feed my child. Yeah. Things started to get serious and things started to get almost life-threatening in a way. Yeah. And then, um, because I had quit my job, I was worried and like Chad and I had only been together for a couple months and I didn't want to be like, oh, like you have to provide everything for me now. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so I ended up working from home for uh, 24-7 in touch, which is like customer service rep. Okay, right. And I was like, you can kind of do from home while sort of masking the puking or how did you handle that? That's what my plan was. But I, I couldn't. Uh, every time I picked up the phone, I puked. Every time I opened my mouth <laughs> to say anything, I puked. And I was I, like, this I can, is yeah, I can relate so much. <laughs> this is so dumb. Why am I doing this? I lasted, I lasted four weeks because we had four weeks of training where I did not have to say anything. And then the fourth week, we dove into dealing with actual customers and me having to talk to people. Right. And I just could not. I I was like, excuse me. Understandable. Understandable. <laughs> I started. That was at 16 weeks. And then I started started looking into smoking again because I was like, I I need to eat. I need to feel better. You know, my mental health was going down. I was already on antidepressants. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever um had you ever heard of like uh, cannabis being used to help with nausea or anything like that? Had like, had you ever heard of anything like that? I had very briefly, I had gotten a video from somebody on my TikTok. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, it was before I found you. Oh, okay. um, and I couldn't remember her name, nothing. I had just seen that she had used it for nausea and her mental health during pregnancy. And I was like, okay, I got to look into this. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then I did, and I was like, oh, the main concern is like ADHD and low birth weight. Mm -hmm. Well, I have ADHD. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend has ADHD. Mm -hmm. Regardless, our child will have ADHD. There you go. I'd heard this from quite a few moms as well, actually. Yeah, totally. I I agree. Like, it's, I mean, the the risks um, for taking or using cannabis and then risks of not using cannabis and the risks of malnutrition are so much greater than, um, you well, know, ADHD. <laughs> like, I was like, I can deal with a child with ADHD. I've right. done it myself. So here we are. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, just the information that was out there was so minimal. Hey, it was very limited. It was so like, it's crazy to think that that now is like a year and a half ago. I know. Right. Yes. so much more out there now there is. and like people are, it's like what you're doing you're speaking up right like people are talking about it now yeah i'm so glad that the conversation about hyperemesis gravidarum has started because from there is or once the conversation starts that's when things can start to change which is good um, yeah um i had to quit that job too because while well, i was just puking every time i picked up the phone um, and I had oh, talked to the doctor and still the word hyperemesis gravidarum had not come up. Right. And I had switched over to midwives thinking, you know, maybe they would help me more with this. Mm-hmm. Which is a popular kind of, you know, a lot of people would think that. And then exactly. uh, and I, I wanted a more like, I had heard from several friends of mine that they kind of got lost with their OB. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't really paying attention to them. They were just a number. And I didn't want that. That's I good. wanted to like recognize that. That's pretty good. Yeah. I wanted to be involved in my pregnancy because mm-hmm. I very honestly never thought I wanted or would have kids. Right. And then I was suddenly pregnant and I was like, Hey, well, I'm going to give it the best shot I got. Right. Exactly. And, uh, my midwives basically just felt pity for me. I don't think they knew either what to do. Interesting. And were they midwives who had been practicing for a long time or? I think the whole midwife practice is fairly new here in Winnipeg. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure though. It's, I think it's fairly new. Yeah. It'd be kind of an interesting history to. Yeah. So, (laughs) and they work closely with OBs and they were just like, oh, well, if you can get a sick note from your doctor. I was like, she's on maternity leave. Oh man. On maternity, like they had both gone on maternity leave at this point. Right, right. So at, at what point then did you kind of say, okay, can, you know what? Let's do this cannabis thing. And how did you how did you consume your cannabis? Uh I started consuming again probably around 17 weeks. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Um I smoke joints. I prefer joints just because. I wanted to keep my tolerance as low as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I also never smoked much before. Okay. Yeah. That was going to be another one of my questions was kind of what was your experience with cannabis um, before HG and having to use it kind of to survive? I was a heavy drinker before. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I can kind of relate to on that one. too. Um, so your cannabis use was kind of like, I guess, describe it a little bit before pregnancy. It was just like in the evenings or when I hung over, basically, just to make myself feel better. Okay. Oh, that's kind of an interesting point because it was almost like your body knew, okay, when I'm hungover, like, you know, maybe my stomach's not feeling well. Yeah. Cannabis helps. That's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Hmm. That's all I basically did. I didn't really didn't smoke much at all. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're pretty new. Did you know like much about, I mean, like, you know, like the names of strains and like stuff like that, or were you pretty new to that? I was very new to that. I still don't know a lot of strains. Okay. Yeah. I always, I thought that that was like a pretty hard part to figure out was like the cannabis lingo. (laughs) No, I, I have pretty much no knowledge. Yeah. You just kind of stick with what you like. (laughs) I just got, I, bought an ounce of weed and I was like I like this one this works this is fine <laughs> there you go well, that's good your body wasn't too picky my bo- my body was a little bit more pickier on the strains when it came to my HG so I had to like learn and I was like whoa what is what are what are these names <laughs> yeah no I didn't have that problem I don't like indicas but I, just, oh. I feel like I fall asleep and then I just zone out too much and I'm just like nope I liked, yeah, I liked the Indicas when I was pregnant um, and I didn't have like another little one to worry about because I could sleep when I wanted to. And so that was helpful. But yeah, now Indicas are not my friend because I'm just always so tired if I do smoke them. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yep. So then, so you start to use cannabis, you start to feel a little bit better. Would you say like what, describe how your quality of life maybe improved from not taking cannabis to taking cannabis? during HG? Um, mainly I was able to keep down water. Yeah. It was a huge concern for me because I'm, I've always been extremely thirsty. 
Mm-hmm. And then with this, the vomiting and everything, I just felt like I had, I was parched. I just wanted to drink water and I couldn't. Every time I drank something, it came shooting back out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, I smoked very little in the beginning and I was able to keep down water. And then I increased my, my smoke a little bit and I was able to, you know, keep down foods. Mm-hmm. And so I experimented with it. And then at that point, it had my quality of life had gotten so much better. I was thinking about going back to work. Wow. That's really so that was great. Like, I want to say 22 weeks. So, like within five weeks, I felt a lot better. Yeah. But it's, I was still extremely nauseous. And like the food aversions were insane. I ate basically broth and ramen yeah. and that was it and yeah i was gonna ask you what uh what were what were some of your go-to meals during that time a dry rice um pasta with cream oh interesting yeah uh i'm mennonite so we put cream on everything <laughs> oh i did i mean i didn't like i didn't know that about mennonites interesting okay put cream on everything on your bread on your pasta on your what rice potato <laughs> Yeah, just everything. Yeah, yeah. I could exactly. not kept you afloat a little bit. Meat or veggies at all. Yeah, yeah. Meat is a was a pretty common hard one for a lot of us. The broccoli was so disgusting. Ooh, ooh, yeah. That does not. It was hard because I love vegetables. Right, right. It's such a different way of having to feed your body, and ah, it's crazy. So, how much um did you start to kind of did your weight start to kind of um, even out almost when you did the or when you were using the cannabis or did it continue to drop? It stayed. Oh, that's a wonderful. That's so good. I ended up being the exact same weight at birth when Phoenix was born that I was when I got pregnant. Okay, and that oh, that is very good considering everything happened yeah. to you. So I I don't actually know how low I dropped during pregnancy because I stopped weighing myself because I was too scared to look yeah yeah um but by the time phoenix was born i was back at the normal weight mm-hmm. that i had been before and i walked out of the house hospital i think 10 or 15 pounds lighter i think i was 155 pounds when i left mm-hmm. but it continued to drop after ah uh, yes yes and it, it like even after i I had trouble eating vegetables because they just grossed me out now. And right, you were talking about this the other day, like eggs. Eggs are so gross. <laughs> eggs are very hard to eat, I'd say, for a good like year after each year. <laughs> and it's such an easy food to make, you know? It's and that... it's... <laughs> Damn it. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm going to rewind a little bit. Um, how was the birth with Phoenix? How did that go? That actually went very well. Um, my HG significantly died down at 30 weeks, um, which is very much thanks to my boyfriend. Um, I had a lot of trauma from before, and he was amazing. He was very supportive. He actually ended up hiring me because he was a manager at Petro Canada. He managed four Petro Canadas. Mm-hmm. He hired me. And I worked with him side by side and he always brought me wipes and stuff when I was outside puking and he'd bring me drinks and, you know, 
So you can keep it around me. That's oh, that's so beautiful. I'm just sitting here like almost tears in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, so that was the only reason I was able to work. And then I found one of the girls I was working with had also had this. Wow. Like, oh, my doctor was at the point where she was going to prescribe me medical marijuana. And I was like, oh, well, now I don't feel so bad. That's, <laughs> oh, felt- that's interesting that her doctor said that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was, at the- she had been hospitalized several times. Yes. And he, so my boyfriend, he didn't quite understand why she was, because she already worked for him at the time when she was going through it. Oh. And he thought she was being dramatic. Oh, I see. And then I went through it and he was like, oh, shit. I think that's such a consensus for so many uh, like males is, you know, they like so many males have no idea what HG is, but then their partners get it and they're like, whoa, this is actually pretty serious. Yeah, they have no clue. Yeah, yeah. I same with uh, same with my story as well. Like my partner, just no idea. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'd never heard of it before. Right. So it's just it's not talked about. Yeah. So Um, after 30 weeks. I also left at 32 weeks. I left my job uh, working with him and went on maternity leave because it was, I still wasn't feeling great. And the whole work situation, there was a new owner and it was not going well. He was like verbally abusive and stuff. And I was like, I'm not doing this. Right. So just like a series of unfortunate kind of events that happened. yeah, it was a string of, yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. Um, so you got to kind of rest at home then afterwards and get prepared for your birth a little bit, but still puking, hey? <laughs> yeah, my puking died down. Okay, right, right. A little bit. When I was working, it actually died down. I was still nauseous and like I had a hard time eating, but ah, yes, not even close to as bad as it was before. Right. And then I was... I. During that time, I smoked a lot more once I was home. Right. Um, and it was, my quality of life had improved so much that I was able to do yoga every day and do short workouts and stuff to prepare my body for birth. That's perfect. Yeah. And the last few weeks before birth, I felt amazing. Ooh, that's good. That's so good. Oh. Other than the fact that you're in the third trimester, as big as a house, you know, typical yeah. pregnancy stuff, but not the the vomiting and the, you know, the fear. I did have um, a smaller baby. Phoenix was only six pounds. But I put that towards the fact that I couldn't keep food down. Mm-hmm. For me, that had nothing to do with the fact that I was consuming cannabis. Right, right. Oh, totally. So I, I never even told my midwives I was smoking because I was like, well, you guys obviously, like, people don't care enough to talk about it you were just happy that i was suddenly keeping food down right right miraculously and i was like yeah i did that myself <laughs> i uh i totally i can relate it's like you didn't want to say anything because you didn't want to be questioned because what you were doing was working and uh i, I can relate so much <laughs> yeah well and i didn't know how it was here like with the whole um getting cfs involved and stuff i had absolutely no idea if they did testing here in the hospital and stuff yeah, I was also, I guess, not 100% confident that I wasn't going to be tested because I just had no idea. But I was like, 
because I had worked like closely with child services before and I knew what they could be like. And I was like, just preparing all these things in my head about what I was going to say. And oh my gosh. And I was freaked out for no reason in Canada. They just, they, they don't test, but I have heard in Canada, they will test um, people who have like open, uh, open cases with, um, with social workers previously. And also they tend to test like indigenous women as well, which is really sad. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was something I learned kind of recently too. So, uh, anybody listening to this um, in Canada, you won't be tested, but there is still those like, like racial systems that happen within the hospitals. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> even then, I didn't want the judgment. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, I didn't really have any friends because I had just moved here at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hung out mostly with Chad and his friends. And his friend was a, is a pharmacist. And he was like, why are you letting her do that? Like the woman is puking her guts out. Mm -hmm. Her mental health is like on the floor. Mm -hmm. Whatever she has to do, let her do it. Like stop your judgment and shove it out the door. Mm -hmm. Wow. I can't believe they said that to you, but I'm glad that you said that. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he can, he's quite defensive when it comes to me, apparently. (laughs) Um, <laughs> it's good it's good but i can tell he really loves you <laughs> he's amazing um so i like not once did he ever question me when i was like smoking right um he offered me the joint he's like you'll feel better you know you will and i was like okay fine and then i that's how i actually restarted smoking he believed in it, <laughs> he believed in it. But he also, he had gone through some shit in his life too, right? And he managed his mental health and everything with smoking cannabis. Oh, very, very interesting. So he was like, no, it's medicine. It'll help. (laughs) Trust me. I was like, you know, me growing up with like, oh, devil's lettuce, you know? Yep. Um, Because I used to be religious and my family still doesn't know I smoke. And I think they'd have a heart attack if they knew. Never mind if they knew I smoked during pregnancy. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Family is, uh, they can be challenging to deal with. And especially after something like this, it's hard to, and if they don't understand, uh, yeah, it's hard. It really is. Well, see, mine was like a blessing and a curse at the same time. My parents and my my family, they're not here. Mm-hmm. Like, they're in Paraguay, right? Mm-hmm. They had no idea. Like, I tried explaining it to them, what I was going through with all the puking and stuff. And they had no idea, like, how to react to it. Okay, interesting. I, I didn't have to tell them I was smoking as a way of coping. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't see me every day. That's true, yeah. So- we only smoked like, once a week, so... <laughs> Right. Did HG run in your family at all? Funny, actually. I, I thought about this last night. Um, I commented on one of your videos on TikTok. And I was like, because uh, you had posted something about it running in families. And I was like, I don't know. Um, I only have like one aunt for my mom's side. Oh, that okay. happened. And I was like, I don't know. And you were like, no, nah, you should look into it. And I was like, okay. And then I was talking to my mom. And my mom didn't have HG, but she had severe morning sickness with me okay. when she was pregnant with me. 
And then my aunt, she definitely had hyperemesis. Like there's, yeah. Oh, wow. So there's, there's two for sure, I suppose, or one for sure in your family. One for sure, for sure. Um, Cause I, her daughters are five years apart and my family really bugged her about it. Um, and she said, no, I have to wait till my husband is like steady enough in his job that he can leave whenever to come home to help me during pregnancy because I will be vomiting up until I give birth. Right. Wow. That's why daughters are so far apart. Wow. She's like, that was not by choice. That was because that's what we had to do. Interesting. And did you learn, sorry, did you learn this afterwards or did you learn this like years ago about her experience? I knew that she had had severe morning sickness. I didn't know the extent of it until like I went through it. Ah, gotcha. I see. And then my mom, like, kind of, I don't know, everything's very hush hush in the in the Mennonite community. Like, we don't talk about things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it sounds sounds like. <laughs> yeah. And if you're struggling, no, you're not. Pray harder. You're not struggling. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was talking to my mom about it, she was like, oh, well, actually, this is what happened. And I found out later, too, she had lost a pregnancy in between her two daughters. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know if that was, like, related or not. Right. It's, but I it was. It's interesting, like, once you start asking questions and, like, you were... Like I was, I did the same thing kind of just intentional with my asking and being like, I need to figure out like, okay, is this something that is in my family? Like, and if so, like, let's talk about it. And so like, that's very interesting that the, like you started to ask the questions and they were kind of like, oh yeah, like, yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I know you and I have talked about this too, about like it being kind of trauma related. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know my family has a lot of generational trauma, like from my mom's side. Okay. Um, So when I kind of dove into that side of it, I was like, no wonder I'm so deathly ill. Like Mm -hmm. I have a lot of trauma. My mom had a lot of trauma. Her mom had a lot of trauma. Right. And our, our, our bodies remember trauma. And I was reading something about, you know, how, that trauma it can live in our in our tissues almost and so when we when we have a baby it can get passed on to our our baby like our traumas or whatever through like the vagus nerve and stuff like that and so it's very interesting how yeah you're very right like the intergenerational trauma is so seems to be quite present for each a lot of hg moms not all but i would say quite a lot <laughs> i completely agree and uh, every case is different too right Right. I know I, I worked through a lot of stuff when I was going through all of that. I don't even know how I somehow managed to go off of antidepressants during this whole thing. Oh, yeah. that's I remember you telling me that. I forgot about that part. Um, yeah, you were able to get off of them. Hey, that's incredible. <laughs> I was on uh, fluoxetine at the time. Ooh, okay. Which has a very long like half-life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like six weeks or something that it stays in your, half of it stays in your system. Oh, so with me smoking the cannabis, essentially, I had weaned myself off of it because I had slowly stopped taking it, which was 
I did, again, I don't know how I even had the balls to do that. <laughs> but, I wonder, ooh, would you say like um, before pregnancy when you were drinking a lot and then you were on the antidepressants, do you think maybe the drinking would have like affected your ability to not take the antidepressants or take them? Oh, the drinking affected probably everything. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I'm just thinking like if you weren't drinking when you're pregnant and then it's probably easier to like get off of them almost in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're not supposed to drink when you're taking antidepressants, period. Right. True. true. <laughs> was that a point where I was putting a liquor in my coffee in the morning to go to my construction job because I didn't want to deal with life. Yeah. Yeah. And I completely was bad. <laughs> Right. So I I remember being like very thirsty for liquor during my pregnancy with Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And then but once I went through that detox kind of, I didn't care anymore. And I felt so much better in my brain. I didn't have all this brain fog anymore. Yeah. Oh my because gosh. I can relate to that too. I really can. So much brain fog. Yeah. Um and despite like being so sick and, you know, the cannabis and everything, I could seriously, like, I could really tell that my brain was, you know, no longer thinking <laughs> with like alcohol, like interfering with it all the time because yeah, I was exactly. like, drinking every weekend and stuff like that. I never had that, like an, a break where my brain was able to like think clearly. And, oh, that's so, that's so interesting that someone else also experienced that. <laughs> yeah, the brain frog was brutal and I had put it towards um, it being the antidepressants. Yeah. Because I, I went through a lot that like the, I want to say the five years before I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was drinking to medicate because, well, drinking was acceptable if you're going to church. Cannabis is not. Yes, yes. Which is stupid. So stupid. <laughs> so dumb. You're literally poisoning yourself. I know. Make it make sense. <laughs> exactly. And then... Um, I went on, I tried quitting so many times. And then when I finally got onto antidepressants, I was like, oh, it's the antidepressants that are making me feel shitty. Not the drinking. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah. That all changed when I quit drinking when I was pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing was having a partner that was so supportive and that I knew like, wasn't going to like leave me or, or that didn't hate me or was passive aggressive towards me during this hard time. I was like, Oh, this is different. And doesn't necessarily believe in um, antidepressants and, you know, just throwing medication on everything. Yeah. Which is amazing because I'm the same way. I'm like, it's a temporary solution maybe, but not long-term, not feasible Exactly for myself. So I having that support from him was amazing. Mm-hmm. that's so good that he's there for you i love that love supportive partners during hg um i was gonna just kind of move us in along with the story here because i don't think we've even talked about the fact that you're pregnant again <laughs> so yeah <laughs> I, I forgot for a second there she's sleeping <laughs> so we, we, oh sorry God. uh it's completely different this time. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, okay, but I guess before we dive into this pregnancy, um, let's talk postpartum with Phoenix there before you would have gotten pregnant with this baby. So you said you were experiencing a lot of food aversions. 
Hey. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so did were you taking or were you consuming cannabis afterwards? Like, was that still helping you as a tool? At first, I stopped because I wasn't sure about like breastfeeding and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, you know what? This is this isn't working. So I consumed once a day. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Or twice a day. I don't know. Um, and did you find that helped you mentally, physically? It helped with everything, to be honest. Awesome. Um, especially mentally, because apparently my brain doesn't function well. Just period. <laughs> um, I had food aversions probably for the first four weeks. It was bad. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And then, because my partner was cooking right. after Phoenix, and I had prepped some meals beforehand, and I was like, I can't eat this. This is gross. <laughs> he was like, no, it's fine. I'm like, no, it's gross. I'm not eating that. Yeah. So, and we had eaten a lot of takeout while I was pregnant because I couldn't cook. Mm-hmm. So, like, my credit card was way too high. That is definitely a challenge for HD moms is, you know, if we don't have, if we don't have the family and friends cooking for us, then, you know, we're left to the fast food and it gets expensive, expensive, but it's also such garbage for you. So true as well. Yeah. I definitely, Um, yeah. I craved like very certain, certain things from certain places, very specific. (laughs) I eat mostly burgers. Oh, interesting. And that was something I couldn't do too well. I mostly burgers and onion rings from A and W. Oh, interesting! Interesting. <laughs> Can you eat those things now? <laughs> uh, occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> I found like some of my cravings that I always wanted to eat. I just like can't eat now. <laughs> I just can't eat it now. I'm just like, uh, I may have overdone that one. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, nauseous. When I like postpartum, I was still nauseous. Ah, yes. <laughs> Four months postpartum. Were you, uh, did you ever puke postpartum? No. Okay. No. I did not, thankfully. I do not know how I would have handled that. <laughs> I remember taking so many pee tests because I thought I was pregnant again. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't. And then at four months postpartum, I was like, I don't know what to do. Whatever. So I kind of just put it on the back burner. And then I started feeling better. Um but that's when like summer came around. Phoenix is a winter baby. Mm-hmm. So then summer came around and we were outside. We were, I had also like kind of the whole witchy thing mm-hmm. kind of started on that journey. So I was doing a lot of healing and stuff. So um, we were, Chad was cooking outside on the grill. I didn't have to worry about it. So it kind of went away and I didn't think about it really. Right. That's cool. Yeah, so I was like, okay, wiped away. And I had sworn, I was like, I will never get pregnant again. Like, I'm not doing that again. I refused. That was at four months postpartum. Five months postpartum, I found out I was pregnant again. Wow. What I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, that that would have been, uh, I guess I we kind of laugh now, but it would have been a pretty heavy moment for you, hey? It, it was. I was so scared. I was like, I, I what am I going to do? What am I going to do if I'm puking all day again? Like I have a a, f- a five month old. Yeah, he needs me. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> were you? Were you uh, did you continue like breastfeeding at that point? I continued breastfeeding up until I think he was seven and a half months. Oh, 
okay, yeah, cool. So you were pregnant and then, or I guess you were kind of worrying maybe breastfeeding and puking. Oh my gosh, that would kind of suck. It's yeah. <laughs> just everything. And I was so exhausted. First mm-hmm. off, having a baby. Yes. <laughs> then pregnancy tired, then breastfeeding tired. Right. Like it was exhausting. And then I slowly moved him off. I had a lot of, I had a huge milk stash in my freezer, thankfully. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he was on only breast milk until he was 10 months. Oh, nice. Nice. And then I did combination feeding. I did breast milk and formula. Oh, yeah. And then I did, now I'm doing um, formula and cow's milk. Oh, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're still on the formula and cow's milk. But- Mine doesn't like the full cow's milk only yet. <laughs> we still put a little formula in there. <laughs> Mine will eat anything and everything and drink anything and everything. He does not care. That's awesome. <laughs> Great, but he eats everything off the floor too. So I'm like, that's not for your mouth. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Do you guys have any pets? We have two cats. We used to have a big dog, but uh, we had to get rid of him because he was just getting too jealous around uh, the baby. Gotcha, gotcha. Safety. So, he was Chad's dog for the last, since he was a puppy for 10 years. Aww. He was always the baby. Friend. Or and then I went to this other human home and he was like, no. Right, right. No. <laughs> so tricky. Um, but yeah, so you're saying like you were uh when Phoenix started solids, such as like eggs and stuff, that was still a little bit tricky for you, hey. The eggs are challenging, but it was also challenging for me because I don't know if this is like hg related i have never not liked eggs before i grew up eating eggs every morning for breakfast was never a problem and then hg i couldn't eat them unless i drenched them in hot sauce (laughs) um which is what chad does and me and him are very much in sync and because we have adhd we're always like oh that's why you do that you don't like the texture of this Mm -hmm. we do that to each other so he pointed out that I probably didn't like the texture of eggs. And I was like, hmm, but is that HG related or ADHD related? I, I do not know. Mean. I see what you mean. Also, I guess since you didn't eat them when you were a kid, that would be kind of, or you did like, I didn't like them as a kid. See, I, I did have problems with the texture as a kid, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I never did. And then, um, but the other thing is, I started paying like serious attention to what my body was doing during HG. Like I hyper focused on every teeny tiny thing that my body didn't like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So noticing that I didn't like eggs was super weird. True. True. So I don't know if I have maybe just never liked eggs. <laughs> or, You're just faking or, the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> Chad also doesn't like eggs. He can't eat them without drenching them them in hot sauce. He doesn't like the texture. So I'm giving them Phoenix and I'm like, these smell awful. <laughs> I, why would you eat this? Yeah. Um, and again, we are now in a cycle where we can't eat eggs. We were eating eggs fine for the last, I want to say two months. And then last week we were both like, can't do it. <laughs> so funny. I just can't do it. I have a full pack of eggs, like Costco size yeah. pack of eggs in my fridge. And I'm like, I can't, I can't eat them. <laughs> I like making, sometimes I like to make quiche every now and then. That's not too bad. But straight up eggs are not my thing. 
<laughs> but I can cook yeah. now without like um having a gag reflex. So that's cool. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, but see every time i discover something that i can't eat i'm like i can't give that to my kid okay yeah same actually oh my god i always talk about how i'm like i need to remember that my son has no problem eating this i just have the problem in my own brain i'm like i don't want to eat it why would i give it to him yeah that was such a tricky thing and like um when things were like pretty bad for me, I was using those like pre-made toddler meals a lot. And so they were just so nasty when I opened them. And I was like, Bleh. but it was better than cooking for me. I could just like not look at them and like feed it to him. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I totally get that. <laughs> but um, cooking, I, I would say, oh, I was also going to say, I think HG and let me know if you agree, kind of really did bring out um, that self-awareness to like an extreme but then it ended up like it was extreme, but it also kind of still stays with us now. And I think it's a gift being quite aware of our bodies and our minds and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it definitely is like, and you you and I have talked about this before. It's like an awakening. You, you suddenly get to know yourself on a, a whole different level. That's right. Yeah. You're discovering stuff about yourself. Like this egg thing. I'm like, have I never liked eggs? Yeah. Like, true. For most people, that's such a minor thing. You do or you don't, like whatever. Mm -hmm. No, actually, if you're told your whole life, well, whatever, just eat it. And now suddenly you're like, well, what if I don't like it? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and I also think that HG brought out like, well, it took a while for me because mine got kind of bad. But like my passion for cooking has like improved since having HG, which is kind of a cool takeaway. And I know you you also like to do some cooking now, too. I know I see your Instagrams all the time. Oh, I love cooking, but I've always been very I've always loved cooking. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said that you really enjoyed that before. OK, yeah, that's right. Because for me, it was like a new thing for me. But you love to make like soups and stuff before. Oh, love cooking it's very much my love language if somebody's not feeling well i'm like oh here you go here's a home-cooked meal it'll make you oh, feel better yes. i love that that's that's what i'm like that's becoming me now too <laughs> that's how i grew up my mom was like that ah yes um, yes and when i could not do that during pregnancy because uh, for example uh, chad i love him so much i want to cook for him every day i want to cook this man three meals a day to know he is well nourished mm. and not eating shit from a restaurant yes and i couldn't do that and it was so hard for me because i felt like i wasn't loving him properly oh, oh my gosh yeah i can i can understand that completely yeah it was very hard and he was like no baby it's fine yeah i'm like no I understand that because he was like, no, nobody's ever cooked for me before. You don't have to do this for me. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is me expressing my deep love for you. The yeah. fact that I did not do this is very hard. And especially because it was like the beginning of your relationship in a way as well. So that would, you're, you're just like wanting to do it probably so bad. <laughs> I wanted to so bad. And every time I was like, just gagging over the oven and yes. oh my God. yeah. And I couldn't eat it after. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> I was I I lived to cook and he <laughs> he was quite upset after my first pregnancy because he had gained more weight than I did. <laughs> that was my that was my partner too. It, it it's but it's also it, I don't know I read something somewhere I don't know if it's scientific 
scientifically proven or whatever that men tend to gain weight because of the the female hormones and pheromones rubbing off on them. Oh, yeah, that makes some sense for sure. Even like I guess the stress factor too and yeah, and because we were eating so much takeout and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, every time I couldn't finish, Austin didn't like to waste stuff stuff, exactly. so whenever I didn't eat, he would eat it even if he was super 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 full. It's such a guy thing. We would order <laughs> We would order like a large, extra large pizza because I was like, I'm starving yeah. and I need a piece and a half. And he's like, well, and now I have to eat the whole damn thing. I'm like, no, just leave it. We'll eat it tomorrow. He's like, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> he'd eat the whole thing. And, and this time around, he's like, hey, don't make me do that this time. I'm like, I didn't make you do it last time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Our partners do some pretty funny stuff while we're pregnant. I mean, they... Yeah, he ate, my partner ate so much of the food. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Except next time, I'm like, you need to learn how to cook a little bit better for my next pregnancy because, <laughs> wow. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Like, he just didn't really grow up cooking much. And then he works, he works away. So it's like yeah, quick meals all the time. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. If it were up to Chad, we would eat only rice and chicken all the time. And I'm like, I cannot. That's funny. Because, like, he used to work out a lot. Uh, So, like, rice and chicken. And I'm like, it's so gross, dude. Like, who eats that? And, like, not even just, like, you know, with a sauce or something. This man would eat dried chicken with dry rice. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) On it. And I'm like, who does that? That's pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just looking through my questions here, and I think I've asked you all of my questions about HD. Is there anything else you want to add about, I guess, chronologically, where were we? Your second pregnancy now, and any anything else you'd like to add? You got to be open minded. You got to be open to the fact that your life is going to change forever. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, the awakening, I I tried to fight it. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to because I have religious trauma and stuff too. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna work through all of this. Like, ugh. life is but, like I'm gonna work through it. <laughs> my body was like, no, we're doing this. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> what an undertaking but what a what a feeling afterwards i suppose (laughs) yes and then with it not happening with my second pregnancy it's just because i fully expected it because it's like what 80 percent chance that you get it again right right yep so i entirely expected it and when um i immediately signed up for midwifery again because i was like i don't want an ob yeah again because again, I don't want to get lost in the numbers. Mm-hmm. So now you're um, gonna, you're doing midwives again. I'm doing midwives again. I was with an OB for about two months now, just because I had some complications. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was not like HG related. It was just like my cervix shortening. Yeah. Pre-season. So your care has been better this time, hey? Sorry. Your care has been better from like your doctors and stuff. Yes. Yes better um yeah I did think in the beginning when I was when I found out I was pregnant again that I was going to have it or that I had HG because the nausea was so bad 
Mm-hmm. But the difference was I was still able to eat. Even at like eight weeks, I was able to eat, which I was not like, it was really hard for me to eat when I was pregnant with Phoenix, yeah. even in the beginning, everything made me gag. And yeah. this time things grossed me out, but it didn't make me gag or puke. I haven't puked a single time. That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. It was like severely nauseous up until probably like 16 weeks, but no puking. And like, I lost about 10 pounds, but it's because I wasn't eating because I was scared. Yeah. I mean, not nausea is a huge thing too. Um, it's it, nausea can be just as debilitating as puking almost sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. But, uh, I was very grateful that, you know, I was not puking. Yeah. That is good. That is good. So far so good. I had, I had, uh, an episode a couple weeks ago where I was, you know, I thought I was going to vomit. I was sitting in front of the toilet and I was like, no, no, I don't do this. Oh, <laughs> I don't want this to happen. I thought I had like late onset HD or something. And I was like, no, no, no. I was sitting there <laughs> and I'm like, I have no, <laughs> oh, man. Just- but it didn't happen. So I was like, okay, we're going to refocus. We're going to go do other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so how are you feeling now, by the way? Ah, pretty great other than the fact that i'm you know third trimester and i don't really like pregnancy so yeah yeah yeah. so when is when are you due again uh may 5th on the full moon that's exciting that's exciting i'm so happy to hear that this pregnancy is going better for you it's brought different challenges yes of course of course but it's so much smoother than you know worrying about your baby's well-being yes that's very true very um, true like malnourishment and stuff right that's I, I was like oh no like my kid's gonna be retarded because i can't eat anything it's very so scary. Um, it was terrifying for me and the fact that you know i don't have to worry about that this time i have other stuff to worry about but not that true true so true. it's it's, a big, it's different it's big relief though yeah that's right that's right. Well, thank you for sharing your story. This has been so wonderful to get to chat with you. And we have we have a lot of things in common about our HG stories a little bit, which has been kind of fun to chat about. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so oh, it's great to talk to you. <laughs> when you first popped on, on my TikTok, I was like, that sounds like my story. <laughs> and then you were like, oh, I used to drink. And I was like, that was me. Oh my gosh, that was that was so crazy for me to like oh, expose myself about that because like I hadn't really talked to any other other moms about it. Like that was my own discovery, and I was like, "Yo, like I'm pretty sure this is connected somehow." Um, and so when I like when you told me that you had a similar time, I was like, "Oh my goodness, I'm not crazy." Okay, <laughs> no, definitely not crazy. Like HG moms are some of the bravest women I know. We were built from darkness and had to rise above. We were given little help, resources, or community by those in charge of our care, but we created it ourselves once we could unite through the internet and tell our stories, where we could tell the truth about plant medicine and surviving HG.